everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yep, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and to educate those that are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk and be real about what a life with Jesus looks like in 2020. Nothing is off limits, and I wanna be as transparent as I possibly can be. Now, before we get started, I wanna let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who wanna be patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description down below, and you'll find the link to become a patron of the podcast which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my link tree, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. Um, So just go ahead and check those out. And on today's episode, we have Rob Kowalski, a self-proclaimed reformed bad boy and former stripper. So (laughs) how are you, Rob? I'm doing great, Samuel. Thanks for having me on. For sure, man. I am just, I'm really excited to have you on because we have something in common. And that is the fact that we were both strippers. <laughs> that is true. Do you meet a lot of strippers as well? Well, you know, I was really involved in the lifestyle for, you know, full time. That was my full time uh, job for eight years. So all my friends were strippers. You know, I hung out all the other guys that I hung out with uh, stripped. I hung out with a lot of female strippers. I still see some of them regularly. Some of them have actually came to Jesus. Several of them have came to the Lord, uh, you know, since since I walked away from it. Um, That's so awesome, man. I love is. that. I, lo- I love nothing more than uh, hanging out with my old friends in my, in my new life, you know? Yeah, man. I wish, like... I have so many friends. So, uh, like I said, I I'm, I'm I was a former stripper as well, but I was a former gay stripper, and so I came out of the homosexual lifestyle, and that's why I have this podcast called Christian Progress because it's all about me walking through the progress of what that kind of looks like, and it gets a little bit messy and gets a little complicated. But one of my biggest desires, and one of the things that I really want um, from people who were part of my former lifestyle is to come to Christ and to know Him. And so I do a lot of what I do, mostly so that they would get a chance to see how I'm doing and what how God has changed me. So what do you, what do you think, like, a little bit about your story um, well, before we get into your real testimony and kind of a little of, of what you've been through? Uh, what do your friends think about you now that you've changed from, like, this stripper <laughs> to someone who loves Jesus and has a whole company uh, that revolves around Jesus? Yeah. Well, at first that was they didn't know how to take it because I was the leader of the pack, uh, you know, the leader of the lost, going a thousand miles an hour in the wrong direction. Not only was I a stripper, I was a club promoter. So I, you know, I had these really crazy parties that people would show up. A little girls walking around in their underwear, live sex acts happening in the club. Mm. Um, and you know, I loved I loved being me. Honestly, I tell people that I, I would have never left that lifestyle because I I was I loved it so much. But one day I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and um, I went from not knowing if God was real to being completely aware that if God was real, Jesus was who he said he was. Mm. And it was like taking the red pill in the matrix where I had to make <laughs> some very hard decisions. So they at first didn't know how to, you know, everybody was like, it wouldn't last. They didn't think it would last. 
But once I knew, because I, I had never heard God's voice before. So once I knew that God was like, that this wasn't just it, yeah. that we didn't just die, uh, that there was an eternity and what I do here matters. And it's going to, you know, one day it's going to carry on. I, that changed everything for me. So, you know, at first I, they just, they just kept partying. Like I, and I really thought, so I had this kind of this Moses complex where, <laughs> you know, where God called me and I just assumed that he wanted me to lead everybody to him. Cause I was, I was like the leader. So I was like, Oh, all right. You must want me to, you know, save everybody. The leader so of like, the bad boys. <laughs> yeah. So I actually danced with a, a group called the Baltimore bad boys, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and, my, and, my, and my stage name was Christian when you said Christian in progress. So I was like, yeah, that's pretty appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Christian in progress, Christian in progress, yeah. literally. Um, but that's crazy. So that, how does someone, um, we, we're, we're going to hear a lot about yeah. your story and we're going to yeah. hear about your born again journey and what that looks like and even the book that you've written. But how does someone go into becoming a stripper? Because a lot of people know my story. My, it was super simple. I was training a drag queen. The drag queen was like, hey, you want to meet people in New York City? You've got the body. You should go ahead and just become a stripper. And I wasn't first stripper. I was a uh, shot boy. You know what that is? Like passing, yeah. out, passing out shots. Oh, it's like yeah, yeah, shot yeah. girl, but like right, shot boy. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, of course. Passing out shots. And then I like escalated because I do everything like 100%. So I was like, right. I want to go into this. How did you end up stripping? Well, you know... I guess the even how I think that goes back to why, you know, because sometimes I question like, so for me, it started really young. I was like 14 years old. I walked into the apartment that me and my mom lived in. There was a videotape laying on the coffee table. I didn't know what it was. Apparently her and her friends, her friends had rented this videotape. I put it in the VCR and I were male strippers on the television. And I remember the first thought that popped in my head. I remember it distinctly. I thought that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> right at 14 years old right why so would you like, why would you want to be that 100 <laughs> percent. that's what i asked myself now and it had to be it had to be insecurity yeah you know, I did, my dad wasn't around and i was skinny and you know and we moved a lot we were poor and i think i i thought if i was good with girls that that probably validated me you know so and i was and i thought it was just girl crazy you know like but I, mm. and so there was something going on inside and i i do think it was an insecurity so when you but, saw when you saw that video and you saw how those girls um, were after these male dancers. You were like, oh, I want that. Like, I want girls to be after well, me. Well, I saw girls sticking money in guys' pants. And I thought that has to be the best job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so you get, you get attention and then you also get money. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's better than that? Did that, so, did that feel wrong at all? Like, you're like, no, oh. uh -uh, not at all. I, was, I didn't know God. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I went to a church sporadically. My mom wasn't really you know, following the Lord in any way. So, and I was raised in a pretty sexual environment, you know, like there were I mean, several instances where people were having sex, hurt. I could hear people having sex, see people having sex. Like my mom was 14 when she got pregnant with me. So, you know, oh, wow. she didn't raise me without child support. So it was like, you know, it was kind of sketchy growing up. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I wanted to do it and I just worked out hard. And, and when I was 19 years old, I, I got in like this best body contest. I started going to bars when I was like 16 or 17. I had a fake ID and I would see the guys in the best body contest and all, everybody knew their name and the girls wanted them. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, I just confirmed what I wanted to do. And when I was 19, I did it. I got into a contest. I got third place. The first one I did, somebody came up to me. They said, Hey, uh, we have this. It was a girl. She said, we have this show coming up. Do you want to dance for tips? It's a fundraiser for this, uh, whatever. 
So I said, yeah, <laughs> I, I was doing pipe fitting at the time. I was 19 years old. Uh, anyone that's ever seen the movie Magic Mike, and I know this is a Christian podcast, so I don't know if people have seen it, but it's very, <laughs> it's very true to, to, true to life. So I was 19 years old, living in my mom's basement. I'm pipe fitting, making eight bucks an hour, working out in the freezing cold. Wait, what the heck is pipe fitting? <laughs> it's like construction, basically. Okay, I've never heard of that. You're, you're like you're like lifting pipes, and you're like assembling like you know um, the systems when the fire, there's a fire. All know? right. <laughs> so I'll take just, your word for it's it. Just, it's just hard labor, like physical labor, and you're not making much money, and it's cold, mm-hmm. and you're getting up early, and. Um, so she offered me to do this this thing, and I said, yeah, absolutely. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd never danced you know, at a show, but I figured I'd figure it out. So I went there. I, I stripped. I, I drank for free all night. I was 19 years old. Um, and at the end of the, the night, they had this thing called the G-string raffle. And I don't know if they do this in New York. But we oh, they did everything in New York. I mean, I, I'm going to eventually, I'm going to write a whole book. Because I'm really like, I think like sometimes... Uh, we shame ourselves into not talking about the things that we've experienced. But I think a lot of the things that we experience are what other people are going through. And they want to know if, okay, how how can I relate to you if I don't think that you understand me or have even possibly been through anything of what I've been through? Absolutely. So like, when I write my book, I'm going to talk about everything <laughs> not yeah. glor- not glorifying it but no. literally saying hey like this is what the world looks like this is this is why i did this like i got into these types of situations so like i was just about to ask you that like i uh, the only time in my stripping career i ever did like on nude was one time and it yeah. was so not worth it so i wasn't stripping on nude i was more of a go-go boy i was just like yeah. with my boxers you know <laughs> yeah and i wasn't doing that either uh, i didn't i've I'd never really did a nude I, uh, most I found that most girls don't want that. You know, they it was yeah. more about a novelty with yeah. guys. It's more of a funny thing. You know, I did a lot of bachelorette and birthday parties, and it's you know go over you dance for the bachelorette and then you know go over and smack grandma on the butt a few times and everybody's laughing and you're and you're a success. They're like ooh, uh, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> it's more funny than it is sexual. I think uh, now you can make it sexual, but it's uh, very it's very sexual in the gay world. Like extremely I'm sure. sexual. Well, guys guys are sexual. Yeah, yeah, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. Like the the no. parties that I would go to, I mean, the things that I would see, I'd just be like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know that this like this happens in real life. Like I see this like on, you know, you you watch movies growing up kind of with, uh, what was that movie with Tom Cruise? Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, you see That's that. That's exactly what I was thinking about when <laughs> like, you said that. <laughs> you see that and you think, oh, that doesn't happen. Like people don't like do that. <laughs> it's like, no, people do that. Like that's a real thing. Like, just, And I'm referring to like orgies and like, you know, yeah. just – uh, that kind of stuff. I'm like, what? It's insane. Wow. So, okay. So you do, you're doing the, the dancing. So, yeah, so, so I have the G, they have the G string raffle. And basically what they do, it's like a ra- They sell these raffle tickets, dollar a piece. And whatever girl wins gets to pick the stripper of her choice. You know, there's like five or six of us. And she, she gets to take that guy's G string off with her teeth underneath of a towel. Now, usually people wear two, two G strings. So you don't, you know, you're not really naked, but I don't remember if I did or didn't. But all I know, <laughs> all I know is she picked me. Which was, you know, she, and she was attractive. She was, she was a hot girl. She chose mm-hmm. me, which is like, you know, your King Dingaling because they chose you of all the guys. <laughs> King <And> then, Dingaling. <laughs> I've never heard then, that. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, she mm-hmm. came over to me and she said, "Can I have your autograph?" And she turned around, she pulled up her skirt, she was wearing a g-string, and she had me sign her butt cheek. And so, and I made forty dollars. And I oh, remember wow. thinking, I was like, ah. 
I was done. I was it. I was like, this is what I'm doing. I quit my job the next day. I You're was like, like, that's a dream. Yeah, this, this is, is the dream. dream. <laughs> I made $40. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like a rock star. So I, I and this is all where this is like in, Bo in Boston in Baltimore, Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. And then I started working for an entertainment agency, um, doing private parties. Yeah. Uh, right. Pretty much right away. Eventually I was working for all the agencies. I was in the phone book. I was like the top guy for pretty much every agency in Baltimore doing, you know, I, I think over the course of about eight years, I think I did about 2000 parties if I had to calculate. Cause I was wow. literally doing like 10, 10 or 15 parties every weekend. And then I was dancing with a group that, you know, traveled around a little bit. They were mostly in, mostly in the area, but they, we would go to like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, places that, like that. That is so crazy because I mean, I, I think I did uh, probably maybe around 25 parties and I was so over it. <laughs> I'm, I consider myself an entertainer. Like, that's what I like to do. I like to just, you know, tell stories. I went to school for acting. But I just couldn't live doing it. Like, I, I felt so... I felt like I had so much more to give than just, like, s the sexualization of my body. Yeah. So did you ever care about that? Like, did while you were doing that, you're like, oh, man, I have skills. I have, like... I could, I could be doing something with my life, like, or are you just like so lost? You're just like, I have no idea what my purpose is. I, I don't have yeah. any, you know, I, value. I didn't have any shame. I, you know, I never felt, I'm toward the end of it. I definitely felt a little kind of like a court jester, you know, like just here, I'm just like the clown here to entertain you. Mm -hmm. I was feeling that as, cause I was promoting and I was, I was kind of taking over the nightlife and, and, you know, in Baltimore and a little bit in DC. And I was ready to transition. So I was over it by the time that I, I quit. And I really quit completely when I got saved. But I was ready to quit. Um, but no, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a great moral compass at all. I, I didn't feel guilty about anything I did. Um, did you grow you know, up in a church at all? Any type of religion? So my grandmother was a believer and, and my uncle was. And um, he put me in Christian school a couple of years. I got expelled from two of them. And mm. then I ended up got, went to private, I went to a public school in 10th grade. And I got expelled from that in the 12th grade. So I was kind of bad anyway. Um, <laughs> bad to the bone. <laughs> yeah. It was usually just dumb stuff like fighting or, you know, I don't even remember why I got suspended or expelled from one of the schools. Mm. But, it, you know, I, I, again, not having a male role model around, yeah. like somebody that you're scared of that will spank you. <laughs> your, your dad just wasn't in the picture. He was in another state, you know, and mm. never paid child support. So didn't have visitation rights. So I didn't get to see him very often. But, um, yeah, no, I didn't, I, 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 I wondered what my purpose was mm -hmm. and I just, you know, when I got in the nightclub promoting, I was so good at it and making a lot of money that I thought I would probably own a bar one day. You know, that was mm -hmm. kind of like the idea is like maybe one day I'll open a bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What, what was your idea of God during this process? Like, did you believe that there was a person up there in the, in the sky or and when people mention Jesus, we're just like, ah, I don't want to talk to those types of people. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's funny. My mom got me a new Testament Bible. I remember one year for Christmas and I was mad. I remember driving home pissed off thinking, why would she get me? This is such, such a thoughtless gift. So you're like, wait, your mom who got pregnant at 14 gave you yeah. a Bible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, at this point, I'm like 22, 23 years old. I'm, you know, I'm stripping. I don't know God. She buys me a new Testament Bible. I'm like, did but she she's not religious. Is she religious? She's not religious. I'm like, I don't know why she got me it. I just remember, <laughs> I just remember being pissed that she got it. Like she, it like, like she didn't put any thought into it. I was like, why would she give me this? My, my mom did the exact same thing. I think it was, but I was, I was 16 years old and she comes into my room and it's my birthday. 
and I'm expecting like this awesome gift, you know, like something really cool. She comes into my room and she's like, here, me and your dad both got you this. And it was a Joel Olstein Bible, <laughs> like an NLT Joel Olstein Bible. And I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> like, I'm like, and they're like, this is your birthday gift. And I was like, I don't want this. Like, I was so upset. I cried that day because I was like, I was like, this is like, I, I like, I'm never going to use this. Like, this is how much they care about me. Like, to me, it was such an offense. Like, ah, uh, right. re- receiving that Bible. Yeah. Man. So we totally. have that in common. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that for sure. And then, um. Other than that, I didn't think about God much, you know, like I would occasionally I'd see people praying and I would I would wonder if anybody was listening. That was about the extent of my and then the thought would go away and then I would just live my life and my God was pleasure. Um, Mm. But other than that, I'd never heard God's voice. I'd never felt his presence. And I would I remember seeing like so one of the places that we used to party, this house that we used to go to after the after hours club closed, we would go over this guy named Chris McKinney's house. And we would go over there at like six o'clock in the morning. We'd party until like you know ten or twelve, and then we crash finally. But there, I would see these um, Orthodox. Ten a.m. Yeah, ten a.m. We would. Yeah, Jeez, man. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> right? To, in the party world, they used to like call it the after, after, after party. Oh my gosh, he owned. <laughs> Are you a bar. going to the after, after, after party? Yeah, I'm going. Are you going? <laughs> he, he owned a bar that opened at six a.m. So people would go to the, they would the bar would close at two. They'd go to after hours. The after hours would close at 5.30, and then they would go to his club at 6. 6 a.m.? Yeah. He's like, my bar only opens at 6 a.m. You can't get in unless no, it's 6 a.m. No, it opened up <laughs> till 2, but then it would reopen at 6 because that was the law that you could reopen at 6. So people would come back from after hours, and it, it was just such a oh, – excuse my language, but it was a shit show. Man, were, like, Baltimore people, is popping. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad, though. So I would drive over his house after the after hours club and I would see these Orthodox Jews because he lived in this Jewish neighborhood walking around on Saturday mornings, like going to whatever they were, synagogue or whatever it was. Yeah. And I would remember thinking like I would never give myself to anything unless I like knew it was true. I remember thinking like I would never devote my life to myself because I was just my God was pleasure. And damn, if God didn't reveal himself to me. You know, he did because, and then from that moment on, I was like, I'm done. I just, I did a 180. Not to say I've been perfect. I, I have not mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll talk knowing, about that. <laughs> yeah. Knowing the truth has changed everything. Man, that's crazy. Okay. So then how did God reveal himself to you? Like, what, what did that look like? So my, my experience wasn't normal at all. I was in Cancun, Mexico for spring break with a bunch of friends and we were partying mm-hmm. and I woke up and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Did some ayahuasca? No, uh, no, but no, it's funny as I, people thought it was drug related because the night before I, I had taken a bunch of, uh, there was a supplement out in GNC called Renutrient. I, I don't mm. know if you've ever heard of GHB or GBL. Nah. GHB. Okay. So GHB was like a club drug and you, it, anyway, it, it was there, GHB. GHB. Does, does that make a, people pass out? It does. I think, yeah, I've heard of that drug. That was a very popular gay drug. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so GBL is what it takes to make GHB. And I took a bunch of GBL the night before and, it, and I woke up and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and people thought it was the drugs and I'm, it was not the drugs. How did, what, the, what does that mean? Like you got baptized by the Holy Spirit. What does that look like for you? So I, I prophesied. God so, showed me all these different signs. Like he, wow. he, he was clearly communicating with me. He told me to trust him, to follow him. He told me that he had a person for me if I waited to have sex. He told me what her name was. He told me things are going to happen in the future of the world. I wow. can tell you, I can tell you two things that are about to happen that he told me 20 years ago. Wow. He told yeah. Me, he told me that there was going to be an economic collapse in this country, but also worldwide. 
and he told me that the United States and China were going to go to war with each other. Oh my gosh! So you think that's going to happen. Hundred <laughs> percent. I bet my life on it. I've, I've, I've told that I've told probably a thousand people over the last twenty years that that was going to happen. I'm going to name what, this entire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Rob says we're going to war with China. <laughs> I, listen, it's, it's not an if. Hundred percent. I'm not. I'm like. I was on a phone call with some friends the other night, and I'm like, look. I believe it. I, I don't talk about it much because it's not pleasant. But hey, you might want to just start preparing. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I mean, like it says in the Bible, things are only going to get worse. And I think in our political climate, like I'm not into politics. I don't I I don't I have my own political um, uh, beliefs and stuff. But one of the things that um, I just I try not to talk about those types of things. But I do believe that there is going to be persecution that is going to come to America and it's going to come to the church in general. And um, this comfortable Christianity that we have going on is not going to last for very long. I think like the church is going to have to go underground and stuff. And um, I'm ready for that because I think like when persecution hits the church, like the church is so strong. It it does things like never before. But speaking of, okay, so you have this encounter. You have this encounter with the Holy Spirit and you start prophesying. And what do your friends like do (laughs) while you're on vacation with them? Are you repenting? Like, are you like crying? You're like, oh my gosh. No, I wasn't at the time. I mean, I, so it was almost like Paul. So when Paul got the Holy Spirit, rode to Damascus, he got struck with blindness for a few days, right? So Mm. for me, I got struck with some crazy thoughts. Like, so I was prophesying about future world events, but then I was also saying some crazy things. Now, I don't know if that was like God threw confusion into my my mind or because I was almost like hearing another voice. So maybe it was Satan trying to trying to confuse me. So I was saying some crazy things and my friends were worried about me. So they, I flew home, I flew back to Baltimore and they were worried and they actually had me admitted to the hospital. Wow. So I was, I was literally in like a psychiatric ward for about three days until I, you know, was thinking straight again. Wow. So I, when I got out, uh, you know, it could have, would have been very easy for me to pretend like it was the drugs and it didn't happen. But I knew that what happened was real, regardless yeah. of the the crazy, crazy things that I said. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I never stripped another day. I broke up with my girlfriend. I, I didn't have sex for six years straight. That's how you know it's God when you start producing fruit. (laughs) You don't just start saying crazy things. You have an account with the Holy Spirit. But you you start producing fruit in your life. You you start to have a real change of the heart. You know? Yeah. That's how you know. I read the Bible a few times and, you know, just... How did you you connect the Holy Spirit experience with Jesus? Well, so, like, he made me me completely aware that it was... Jesus was who he said he was and there, there, there was no other way. Like, so my stage name was Christian. Wow. There were so many ways that he confirmed verses in the Bible, like with numbers even, um, all throughout. Um, you know, one of the first verses was, you know, Romans twelve two. you know, don't be transformed any longer to the pattern of this world. So there was like a, there was numbers that he was sent. He was sending me signs through numbers. I mean, like so many signs in the physical world mm. that I couldn't deny that what was happening to me because, so the funny thing is, is seven weeks after what happened to me, Chris McKinney, the guy, he, he was the guy that owned the club I told you about. Yeah. He was my business partner and um, he was gay and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. What? And he came, seven weeks later. And wow. He, now, the funny thing was the night before he took GBL too. <laughs> so, so, so the next day he's is this, like, look. Is this the, the God drug? <laughs> I, I, Anyone I, who does in this all drug? On, in all honesty, I think it's what was in the tree of life. I really do. But we won't get into that conversation. 
So he 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 says, look, he he tells me all the, the signs that he saw, and it was ex- anybody that it hadn't happened to might have thought he was crazy because the way he was sit- telling about the signs, he heard this commercial and it said this when he thought this, and he saw the numbers on his odometer, and, it, and so anybody else would have just been like, dude, you're reading into things. But because yeah. it had happened to me, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I said, bro, he's like, I want to change. I'm going to sell the club, you know. And a- about four weeks after that happened to him, he hadn't changed. I saw him, you know, he was basically the same, doing this, the exact same things he had been doing. Mm-hmm. And I confronted him and I said, what happened changing? And he said, you can find meaning in anything you look for. That was his exact words to me. So he, he pretended like it didn't happen. And... You know, I, I believe that, you know, we're probably living in the last days and, and, you know, the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It yeah. goes on to say some more stuff. I think that's going to happen in our lifetime. And I believe that some people are going to believe that it was real, that it was God. And they're mm-hmm. going to change like I did. And some people are going to choose to not believe. And they're going to be like my buddy, Chris. And I don't know what happens to those people. You know, well, so he, he didn't go to God. He, he didn't that. sell the club. He didn't make really any changes, you know, and I've talked to him about still it to this day, still to this day. We're, and we're wow. friends, but he's like, I'm not a bad person. You know, that's what he says to me. And I'm like, I, I get it, but you didn't give God control of your life. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's really interesting because what happens is that, um, sometimes, okay. So I believe that when people get on drugs, they experience the hidden dimension that we don't normally see. You know, we, there's this like, uh, Paul says, you know, the spiritual world is very real. And these drugs kind of give us the illegal ability to enter into the spiritual world, right? Um, and that's why God doesn't want us to use the drugs because it's considered witchcraft. Like it is very much real. Um, he doesn't want us to use those drugs because what we're doing is that we are entering to the spiritual world that we should be entering through Christ. No other way should we be entering. It's just through Christ. So, so people, they do the drugs and they have these spirit, they see these spiritual things. Some of the things in the spiritual point them to Jesus, you know, maybe the angels, you know, whatever stuff that they see. So I believe it 100%, like you can totally have an encounter. But the thing is, we, j- we know from the written word of God that just because you have an encounter with God doesn't mean that it will sustain your relationship with him. And so there's a bunch of times where even the Israelites in the wilderness having these crazy encounters with the Lord, but it doesn't sustain their faith. And so you made the conscious decision for to actually let that experience be an experience, but then make the decision to be like, okay, that was my experience. I'm going to use that, but I'm also going to make the decision to keep my faith. You Work know? out my salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, some people, some people don't. Some people right. like I had. I had a friend. I, I did a podcast in my earlier days of YouTube with this guy who also went to the psych ward for drugs, and in the psych ward he met Jesus and he had encounters with Satan and all these things. But then a couple months later, he dropped off the faith. He he was just like, um, I don't believe the Bible is real and this and that. So you know, God can give you those signs, those experiences, but are you going to make the decision to continue the faith, you know? And, and that's what it's about. It's about endurance. Um, the miraculous can only go so far, right. you know? If, if, the, if miracles were all that we needed, then why weren't the Israelites saved? <laughs> right. One generation, I was talking to my pastor about that the other day. I'm like, you know, I, I said, I'm, you know, with everything going on in America right now, I was like, imagine if it was just like a, fr- a few people, like a group of us would say like, well, let's get the hell out of here. 
Yeah. Let's go down to like Costa Rica. We're going to start over. We're going to build our Costa own community. Rica. We're going to live by the Bible. We're going to raise our kids by the Bible. But by the time we got old and, and they wrote, they'd be like, what the hell are we doing? Why are we following <clears> these, <throat> these rules? They, they would start to question it and they would go right back. And so it's like, it's the same cycle that you see over and over in the Old Testament. Yeah. They, you know, the place gets prosperous, they get punished, they get sent into mm-hmm. exile. They have to, then they can turn back to God. It's just our human nature, unfortunately. It's crazy. But so, okay, so you do, you never go back to the stripping. And then now what do you feel like um, is your purpose during this time? Like, what do you feel? Okay, well, did you have a degree? Did you uh, finish? You didn't finish high school, right? I got my GED and I had a couple years of college, but I dropped out. You know, I had like 70 some college credits. Mm-hmm. I dropped out when I started promoting because I just assumed that's what I was going to do. So then what were you like? What was God telling you during that time like to do with your life? So for a year and a half, he just sat me down. He didn't let me work. So I had about $20,000 in the bank, which wasn't a lot, but my, my, my cost of living wasn't high. And he just... Man, That's I, a lot was, for me. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a horrible time, though, because um, a year and a half of, of just sitting there waiting for God to tell you what to do. You, I had this incredible experience. And then I was like, okay, what do you want me to do? And then nothing. Hmm. So, so um, and, and you know, here I'm going to church on Sunday. And I got very lonely because I, my whole life I had a big friend group. You know, I was out in the clubs four nights, five nights a week. Um, I had girls always next to me, a girl, you know, a girlfriend or just a girl that I was sleeping with. Mm. And now all of a sudden I had none of that. So I didn't even know how to live. Mm. Where I was like, what do I do with myself? What do I do for fun? I, I was going to church and I thought, well, let me find the cool Christians. Where are the cool Christians? There's got to be somebody out there like me. And yeah. I just, I couldn't really find them. So I, I basically went to a lot of movies, dude, over the, <laughs> and God gave me a job after about a year and a half, I started managing a gym, but man, those, the first six years of my Christianity was super difficult, super lonely, felt like an alien in the world. Uh, not, I'm not a religious guy, so I didn't relate to religious people Yeah, and I couldn't find a group. Uh, so I isolated a lot and I assumed that God would give me a wife. And that would put me out of my misery. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I figured well, this will at least cure my loneliness problem. And mm-hmm. he did not. He did not give her to me. So it was a lot of loneliness and depression, man. And, I, you know, were you actively looking like for a wife or were you just waiting on the Lord? I was waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He told he told me that he had someone for me and I, I believed it. And I, yeah. you know, so I figured if I waited and I didn't sin long enough that it would happen. I mean, you know, I was hopeful every day. I was hopeful that it was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And after six years, I just ran out of gas. And decided I wanted to have a social life again. So I went back to the bars mm. and I backslid really hard <laughs> over the next few years. So tell me about that. How, what, what did you backslid into and how long did it last? Just random sex sure. with girls or just dating? Yeah. So basically, um, I had a Bible study and, you know, it was eight or 10 people and I could feel God. Somebody had suggested, I, they're like, well, you, may, you can make a difference from the inside. Why don't you try that? Because I was trying to lead my friends to the church, basically, and they weren't coming. Mm-hmm. So I could, I could feel God giving me the green light to go back into promoting, which sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy to anybody to tell. But God works but, in mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah, he, told, he does. And he, I prayed a lot about it, and he gave, me, he gave me peace. So I literally took over the nightlife again within about three months. Nobody even knew who I was anymore. I've, I've been out of the scene for six years. So I'm leading this Bible study. I'm promoting the hottest club in town on Saturday nights called Casbah. 800 people coming, you know, making, I started making a bunch of money, a $10 cover, making thousands of dollars on Saturdays. And I, and any, and I'm leading Bible study in the nightclub on Thursdays. 
So we're reading Purpose Driven Life. We're going out. We're feeding the homeless afterward. Anybody that come, I told my doorman on Saturdays that anybody that comes to the Bible study, don't make them wait in line. Let them in for free. That's so, so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So now my Bible <laughs> That's study. That's so creative. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It blew up. I had like 50 people at my Bible study. And it was awesome. And I was, it was such a great, like, it was about a three month window that it was really awesome because here I am. I have a social life. I'm around these people that I enjoy being around. It was very edgy, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, anything, anything with sinners is always going to be real messy, you know? Yeah. And, and I was enjoying it though. You know, I was, I was, I was liking my life and I was making a difference and I was, I was holding it. I wasn't having sex and I was in the middle of the scene. It was, but then I, I caved. I slept with a girl. And then mm-hmm. about a month later, I slept with the second girl. And that and was I, like the first time in six years? Yeah. Yep. Man, that's crazy. I mean, I commend you though. That's like a long time to be single and not sleep with anyone. When you, you have, the, yeah, when you were the biggest man whore in the city, like I had sex with hundreds of women. Yeah. I, sto- I stopped on a dime and then I was. That's incredible. I mean, to yeah. me, six years, that's incredible. Did you, did you have uh, issues with pornography at all? Were you watching the, pornography? Not much. I mean, so pornography, I mean, to be honest, we're talking about, I got saved in the year 2000. So 2000 to 2006 is when I was absent. So pornography wasn't as readily accessible. Like you didn't have the internet on your phone. So it wasn't oh, wow. like, it wasn't as, it wasn't as available um, back then. But, you know, I, I definitely, I think that the longest I ever went without jerking off was maybe a year and a half. Wow. Uh, and it was, and it wasn't doing it by the spirit. That was just sheer determination because I was trying so hard to be obedient yeah. to God. But it was, you know, it was an emotional roller coaster, man. Like I use sex like a drug to comfort myself and even, you know, jerking off or, or porn was a, was a drug to me. But so to stop those, stop those things was really difficult. Um, so you backslid, you were with these two girls, two girls that, didn't, didn't tell anybody, um, you know, try to keep it a secret cause I knew how bad it looked. And then some of the people from the Bible study that were, that were church people confronted me and they, mm-hmm. they and I felt, it felt terrible when they did. Like it really made me feel oh, like that's that. really scary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's you know. why I usually, if I, if I ever do anything or I fall into anything, I'm really, I'm really open with people. Yeah, so I'm not good. open completely with the internet. I'm not going to say everything that I'm going through, but I have a community. I have leaders. I'm just like, Hey, you know, I watched pornography today or I did this, you know, like I'm open about it because I don't want anyone to ever be like, Ha, oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha in the act. You know, I'm like, that's one of my biggest <laughs> fears. Right. Well, that's what they did. They were like, basically like, ha, gotcha. And I was like, like I was mad and I stepped down. And once I stepped down from leadership, here I am back in the scene. I'm this popular got promoter making a ton of money. Yeah. I just went through the hardest six years of my life. And uh-huh. here I was back in a scene that I enjoyed and making a lot of, and I knew God was real, but it, I was like, I, it was so, it was like the perfect storm. God, the devil just served everything up to me on a silver platter. Wow. And uh, I, you know, over the next five years, four and a half years, I just spiraled slowly, kept going lower and lower to the point where I was pretty much the same person I was before. I was, I was having sex with two girls at a time. I was doing drugs, you know, like. Did you go back stripping? No, I didn't do that. I, I still had a line. I'll be honest. I still had a line that I wouldn't cross that wasn't as big because before I had no moral conscience. I slept with married women. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I, I, I so I wouldn't promote it like an after hours club because mm-hmm. I knew that that was terrible for people and I wouldn't sleep with married women. Although I did accidentally, you know, one time after I backslid, yeah. but, um, for the most part I had, a, I was a little bit better, but I wasn't much better. So, mm-hmm. and I felt like, I just felt really, I felt terrible about myself. I, the way, the way I felt about myself and the way I felt, felt, thought that other people felt about me or thought about me. Mm-hmm. 
And I, when you say God works in mysterious ways, I really look back at that those years that I backslid because if it wasn't for that, I don't know that I could be doing what I'm doing now because I still have so many opportunities to sin and I have desire to sin mm-hmm. sometimes. But it would almost be like Adam and Eve being let back in the Garden of Eden after they got after they sinned, after they got kicked out. Can you imagine? Like they they would know better at that point. They would be like they wouldn't probably eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They'd be yeah. like, okay, we get it, we got it. Yeah, and that's the way I am now. Where not to say I'm perfect, but mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I I get depressed sometimes, lonely, mm-hmm. disillusioned, frustrated. Yeah, and and I and I would I know I know sometimes calling up a girl and having her over mm-hmm. would probably fix that for in the moment. Yeah, but uh, uh-uh. nope. So do, I'm not what, doing it. What are what are some of the things the solutions? So you spent that five year spiraling, and then you did eventually come to the Lord. When did you come back to the Lord? So my dad got stage four, got diagnosed with stage four cancer, and through a series of events related to that, God just really brought me to my knees, and um, I, yeah, I rededicated. And once I once I rededicated, I just you know put sex back on the on the altar. I was dating a girl that was an ex stripper and uh, we were having sex and God was convicting me of it. And, um, just, you know, basically, and I was justifying it to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. even, even as a, even after I rededicated, I was like, well, cause I would break her and I would break yeah, up. Like and God, I, God can work through this. <laughs> yeah. Like I love her. Or I, I think I love her. I might love her. You know, like I, you start to justify it like that where we're kind of like, we're exclusive. So, but he was convicting me. So once, once I was sure that it was God, I, I'll tell this story a lot. I'll tell you, it's kind of funny. We were messing around. Me and her were like fooling around and we were about to have sex. And I said, let me put some music on. I turned the power on and a gospel came on the came on right <laughs> oh, away. God. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. I went about, down, about to sin. <laughs> right. I went down one station. I swear this is true. I, I hit the button. I went down one station. The next song was the one. It was, it said, temptation's going to get me every time. That was the very first lyrics that I heard. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It's definitely God. <laughs> like, God, stop it. Well, so, yeah, that, the, looking back, though, like, honestly, I didn't know anything about City Fam at the time. I didn't know anything about a book or this video that went viral or anything. All mm-hmm. I knew is God was telling me to stop having sex. It was up mm-hmm. to me to, do, to listen. Mm-hmm. I listened. But I'm like, mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have listened, look, look at what it did for me. Like, he had all these things in mind he wanted me to do, and all I had to do was get obedient. Not to say it was easy. It was not easy. Yeah. You know? But the thing is, is, like, you know the clarity that I got when I stopped because I was not in love with that girl. Yeah. We had bro- we had broken up probably a dozen times, if not more. Mm-hmm. And you know, within a, within three weeks of us stopping having sex, we both realized that we weren't in love with each other, and we broke up. And then she got pregnant not long after, and now she, and God just took her to another state. And we're wow. great friends now. And I'm like, wow, I could have ended up with her. I could have easily drifted into a marriage with the wrong person. Wow. And that is really you know a consequence of of not being obedient in that area of your life, I believe. But I don't know if that's what you're asking me about. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. So now you come back to Jesus. Um, you come back to God after living that and doing that. Um, and you write a book and you join Sitting Fam. Well, you started City Fam, right? Yeah, I did. So tell tell me what City Fam is. Well, what, what came first, the book or City Fam? So City Fam came first and it was basically like, okay, so the first six years, I'd like I said, I isolated a lot. Um, yeah. Every, you know, I was looking for a group. Like I said, I couldn't find anybody that I could really relate to. Every three months or so, what would happen is I would get really pent up with energy, and I would I would go out to the city and I would meet up with some of my old friends yeah. at the bar, and then I would I would either drink too much or I, or I'd smoke a bunch of cigarettes, you know, or or a girl. And that, would hit. 
that tends to happen, especially when uh, people who are, you know, such active sinners and have like a community, like for, for example, for me, like it was really hard for me to leave the homosexual lifestyle because I had such a family in the homosexual lifestyle. Like I had, I had friends who cared about me, who were there for me. Um, Were they the bestest friends? No, but at least they were my family. You know, we were bonded over something that's together. When I came to the Christian church and with the Christian community, I was like, these people, like, I don't have anything in in common with these people. Like these people, I'm an outsider in this place. Like, and even now still like walking kind of in my, I've been born again for around two and a half years, maybe three um, walking that has been so lonely. And I feel like a lot of what, how God, like the two commandments are what? It's to love God and to love one another, right? So we're not just supposed to be about God all the time. Like we're supposed right. to be with God, but then also be with people. Like he's a, God's message is not only just about God, it's about people. Yes. So when we don't have those communities, like we're so easily able to fall. So, so that's probably one of the solutions that could help you if you're struggling with temptation and struggling with pornography or just struggling in general is like community is supposed to help you but then what happens when you don't have christian community yeah or they're just religious they don't get you they they, i don't know you know so you're starting city fam sort of how yeah and and you obviously realize this i need a community yeah so just to echo what you said if you look at the first century church man it was not like they do church now they did life together. It says every day they met in each other's homes. Developed, yeah. you know, devoted themselves to the fellowship, which is what hanging out, yes. breaking the bread. They were they were just hanging out, eating together. They were doing life. They There's, were out serving people. And it says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church now doesn't grow. It's shrinking. No, it's, it's crazy. There's like there's. There's no emphasis on like real community, like being there for one another. Like the closest thing, I'm so thankful. I, I've started an online Zoom community um, because Miami, I mean, let's just face it, like a, a lot of the churches here are just, I, I, I'm not even sure if like half of those people in those churches are saved. And half is like less compared to what I actually believe about some of the people in that in, in the churches. But Where is like, this at? <laughs> Miami, Sin Miami, City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they they call us like the graveyard of churches, like uh, new founded churches. So um because there's so much sin here. You know, it's so it's so easily to be um, one foot in, one foot out. Um but I started an online Zoom community because I was like, I cannot grow in the Lord if I don't have other real diehard believers who I am doing community with and what does that look like it means like being vulnerable talking like getting together like texting each other every single day like getting to really know the ugly and the good about each other so i started that um and if anybody wants to be a part of that you can always just reach out let me know it's for people who are younger than 30 but without that oh my gosh i i I would not (laughs) i would not be able to to do like uh, to really truly walk in the lord because walking with people is just as much as important as it is walking with god like he he literally like that's what he emphasized in the sermon on the mount he's like your brother and forgiving them and and like being good with people is like so important to jesus yeah so you got this and then now you're starting city fam so basically yeah so the pattern was i'd I'd go out i'd I'd, you know drink too much or or you know a girl i'd be scared that i was going to sleep with a girl so i then i would I would feel guilty or scared. I'd go back. I'd, I'd stay in another three months. And then three months later, I'd get pent up with energy. So it was like this terrible cycle. Yeah. So when I rededicated my life to God after, you know, backsliding really hard for about a year, I was going through the exact same thing. I was isolating. I was renting Redbox movies every night. 
And it got to the point where it was like a Saturday night. I went to Redbox, and the only movie that I hadn't seen in the whole Redbox was Dolphin Tale. And I oh, remember, gosh. and I rented That's it. A terrible movie. <laughs> it was, it's like a kids. It's like a kids movie. I and I was so pissed off. I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, I'm a grown man. I used to be cool. Like I ran the nightlife and I'm renting Dolphin Tale on a Saturday. That's how that's how bad the options are. And I was that's like, literally how I feel right now. Like sometimes I people ask me all the time, like, oh, why 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 do you sometimes get sad? Because I do. I'm a human being, you know, just because yeah. I, I walk with the Lord doesn't mean that I don't need my needs met. Like God created us for us to have these needs that we need in community and and at being adventurous and all these different things. So I spend a lot of time by myself just making content and working. And I think I'm like, man, like, is this the life that God wants for me? And like, absolutely not. It's it's not. Yeah. But we've we've really we've made Christianity into something that it's not. It's so religious. It's so like it's all about church. It's all about like you know, stuff that it's just like it's not what Jesus meant. And um, and then there are real true believers and followers of Jesus who um, want to connect with other believers and they can't find them. Like I can't right. find real true believers like in my area and like in a church and like together. I'm like, what is going on? Because of the religion and, you know, the traditions and it's like, oh, it's so right. frustrating. So I just, I'd spend all my time at home too. Yeah. Really, well, all, I'm all going to be in Fort Lauderdale <laughs> tomorrow, by the way. I'm actually coming down there. So we're gonna oh, go. We gotta fi- meet. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go fishing on Friday. Um, I think I don't know about an hour north of Fort Lauderdale. So if you're if you're not doing anything, come fishing with us. There's a couple coming down with a couple Christian buddies. Oh man, uh, yeah, for sure. So anyway, I, I might have to edit that out. But anyway, so I rededicate it. I'm isolating, and I realize this is not a long term strategy. I, I was not enjoying my life. You know, I was I was depressed and lonely. So I, somebody said, "Well, you were a promoter. Why don't you start putting some events together to give yourself something to look forward to?" And I, that's what I started doing. So I started organizing some social events. I call, you know, we call them now fun without regret. And I had friends from church that were going through the exact same thing that we're talking about. They were bored. They were lonely, just like us. I invited them. They came. I invited my old friends that I had been trying to get to come to church with me for the last 10 years that wouldn't come, Mm. but they would come to a social event. And when they came to the social event, they met my, met my friends from church. Next thing you know, they ended up in church. Because wow. of the rela- they liked them. The relationship. Fun without regret. <laughs> Dude, it was awesome. And I was like, no this is what I've been trying to do for the last 10 years is trying to get you guys to church. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing this other path. It made my, mm-hmm. it gave me a social life. It made it intentional. And I, again, I started seeing people get saved. And so we then we started doing service events. We started organizing volunteer events in between our social events. Saw more people's lives changed. And then it you know, just got to the point where we got to give it a name. We called it City Fam. And mm-hmm. at, not long after that... Um, I was trying to get the word out about what it was. I really wanted to go on podcasts, honestly, and just radio shows, anything I could do to talk about City Fam, because I saw, I, I felt really strongly about what we're talking about, that this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, like, there's there's a better way to do this. And yeah, it's th- not just going to church on Sundays and just sitting in, in a congregation and just, like, listening to a preacher and then going home. Like, that's not christianity like that's not christianity christianity is like walking with each other doing life with each other it's like it's going out not going in like jesus sent people out he didn't send them in and we like we really like we hide ourselves from the world and it's so sad i I love this quote that my pastor said on sunday he said never once did jesus tell uh sinners to go to church he told the church to go to sinners like we forgot that we try to get people to come to church with us and that's not what he said he said go to them so like yeah so where was I with all that? <laughs> so you wanted to go on, you wanted to go on podcasts. You wanted to go on. Yeah. Talk shows. So, so I basically I thought, well, if I write a book, that's going to give me a platform. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I really had honestly planned just to write a shitty book. I was going to write a shitty book about <laughs> sex because I, I didn't even feel like I could. I didn't wasn't confident in my ability to write a book. So I, I didn't think it mattered whether anybody bought the book or not. I was like, it doesn't matter. I just people say author of why waiting works automatic instant credibility. So I'm like, OK, so I start writing. <laughs> Is that what book. I have to do? I have to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should, dude. hundred percent. No, I definitely will, but yeah. yeah no, I want it I want it to be a good book. That's why I haven't written well, it. Yeah. Well, that, outside I'll, of the box ideas and everything. So. I'll help you. I'll help you. Um <laughs> so I, that's exactly what happened though. Is as I after I started writing it, I really realized this lesson cost you a lot of pain and time to learn. You got to write a good book. So I really put yeah. my heart into it. It took me about a, it took me from the time I started about a year and a half to finish it. Mostly it was really more about 6 months of of writing really hard um because I'm not a natural writer. But I wrote the book right as I was finishing Why Waiting Works, all about the practicality of waiting to have sex, you know, written by a guy that had, had lived at really polar ends of the spectrum. I made a YouTube video called 10 Reasons Not to Have Sex Before Marriage. went viral. Mm. got 1.7 million views. I mentioned, wow. I mentioned City Fam in it. So then I started getting all these people reach out because they're like, hey, we're waiting and we're bored and lonely like you talked about. <laughs> How Aww. do we start one of these things? <laughs> And now we've got chapters popping up all over the country. And I really feel like it's a, like a movement. I think wow. it's like new wine, something that God's doing. Um, you know, potentially, I don't know if it's the last days. We, you never really know. But I do think it's a new wine. It's a new, a new way that, uh, that he's going to reveal himself to people, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a new form of doing church. Yeah. Church and without walls. Exactly. You know, I think we, man, sometimes... Things are just so traditional. Things are so black and white. And when I read scripture, like I know scripture. I'm a biblical literature student. I love scripture. And when I see it, I don't see black and white. I don't see traditionalism. I don't like Jesus. The only people that he did condemn were the traditionalists, were the people who were stuck in the idea of what they thought God was. And I think like, man, God works in such crazy ways. There's absolutely no way of understanding how he's going to do things and when he's going to do things. And it's it, it. it blows my mind that we really just locked ourselves back into religion. And Christianity claims to be like this kind of a freestyle, like non-religious, different than all the other religion um, religions. <laughs> and it's really not. It, it's really not. I think like we started it that way, definitely in the book of Acts. But then we just, through the early church and in America especially, like it's just, I don't know, in other parts of the world where persecution is happening and stuff, it's definitely not black and white traditionalism. But... Mm-hmm. Here it is, and it's kind of sad because a lot more people will probably have been saved if we weren't so, you know, traditional in, in the box with God, and um, we were more going out to people and just loving on them and, and loving on sinners. Like I get so much hate for this rainbow, so like rainbow thing, and I'm like, man, okay, I don't care what the Christians think about this rainbow thing. This rainbow thing is so that people who are in the LGBTQ lifestyle can feel comfortable that I'm not going to hate them. That I'm not gonna right. like, like people. They they they're like, take that off of your page. We hate that. Like it's like, why though? Like it's like it's like. First off, that to me that means God's promise. And not only that, but it's if it helps someone else feel comfortable, right. to them mean them thinking that I'm not gonna hate them. Right. Then yeah, heck yeah, I'm gonna put that in my video. Like what? You know what's wrong? What's wrong with Christianity? It's like we're so judgmental. It's yeah. Mm, just it's run just, your own race is what I tell people. I'm like, if you were working as hard as I am, you wouldn't have time to worry about what anybody else is doing. Yeah, you really, man. you won't. You really, any hundred percent of the time, if somebody's well, crit- criticizing you, they are doing less than you. If you're just loving people, I mean, when when do you have time to like 
focus on all that hate you know i don't yeah. I, I don't have time for that like <laughs> i don't have time for that i, I i'm too busy loving people that, that's my main goal so anyway so all right so you start city fam now you got this awesome platform with your book and everything so um if you could leave people with anything on this podcast um what would it be i had i had some verses that i was going to go over but yeah, sure. honest honestly we don't even need to go over them because okay. um this has been awesome. So, yeah. but what what would you tell someone? Let's say who is right now in that stage of like waiting and maybe boredom. Yeah. Like, what would you say to them? And, and especially one who's like, oh man, I keep falling into sin. I don't know if this is worth it anymore. Like, I feel like a hypocrite. Yeah. What would you, what would you uh, tell them? Definitely reach out. I mean, so City Fam is is growing. I would love to get you plugged in and introduced to any other like-minded people in your area you go to cityfam.com opt in join the fam follow us on social media facebook instagram all that and we'll do our best to get you connected but i think the the main thing is is you gotta not focus on okay so my my the first six years honestly my strategy a lot was wait for god to give me a wife you know like stay out of trouble don't sin i see a lot of people do that when they're waiting they're, yeah. they're so focused on being on a relationship and, and finding someone that's going to fix them what i realized after i rededicated is like no god gave me this season as a blessing i mean there's a lot of blessings that come with being alone you don't have to worry about anybody else's happiness i work like you do 15 hours a day regularly get up early and i i, I visualize and i listen to my vision statement and i write gratitude i mean like i have a lot of good shit happening in my life. Mm -hmm. But I, before 10 years ago, when I was sexually active, I didn't have anything going on. If God would have given me a wife, then I didn't even have anything to bring her into that we could have done together. You yeah. know, so like, I think you have to focus on number one, what is your purpose? And then move the needle forward. If you look at Adam and Eve, Adam got a job before he got Eve, you know, God yeah. gave him a purpose and he named the wow. animals. And then he brought even, you know, God brought even to the picture. A lot of people, they don't like to wait and they want to just sit there and wallow and feel sorry for themselves. And, and God's not, you can't manipulate God. Yeah. He, you know, he's not going to feel sorry for you. You got to get off your butt. You got to work. Some days I don't want to get up or I don't want to get up and work. I don't like it, you know, but I believe that, you know, I, in order to get to the promised land, I have to keep walking. And eventually yeah. God, God's going to bring me this wife and we're going to travel the world. We're going to write another book together. It's going to be awesome. But and some you know, people think that, you know, getting a wife is going to fix all of their problems. Right. And marriage is not going to fix all of your problems. If you are not doing what you just finished saying, like if you don't know your purpose and your vision, like I love Miles Monroe. He talks a lot about that purpose and vision. But if you don't know your calling in the Lord, adding a person to that is not going to fix anything. Yeah. It's absolutely not going to fix anything. And a lot of people like I've, I've had... Um, just talks with men, heterosexual men who are just like, yeah, my goal in life is just to like have a wife and have kids. It's like, that's not your goal in life. Like at nowhere did Jesus say, yeah, everybody, you know what? Um, those who want to go out into the world and make disciples do that. And those that just want to like have a wife and kids, just go ahead and do that too. Right. Like, no, he said, go out, make disciples, everyone, like make learners, be a teacher, you know, accomplish what you need to accomplish with the set of skills that he's given to you and the tools that he's given to you and the talents that he's given to you. Um, and figure that out before Eve comes along. You know, like God is never going to go beyond that plan. And sometimes people, they, they just want to um, take the shortcut. Like they yeah. just, they, they, I want the marriage. I want this first. And then I'll figure things out with God. No, no. You figure things out with God first. 
and you find him in the solitary, you find him in the singleness, you find him in the hard times, um, because later on, you won't be able to do that with someone else being around. And then now you have your problems, and then you also have somebody else's problems on top of your plate. How will you find God in that? Right. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's going to be impossible for you. Yeah, there's a real <laughs> principle in a book called Think and Grow Rich. I actually referenced it in my book. It's called Sex Transmutation. So mm -hmm. when you stop having sex, it, you know, sexual energy is the, the, the strongest form of all human energy. And it's they, they compare it to like damming a river where you could dam a river and that water is going to build up, build up, build up. But eventually it finds an outlet and it's going to go somewhere. And that's yeah. exactly what ha has happened in my life where that energy, that sexual energy that I was using to chase women found an outlet. And I've did a, started a nonprofit and I wrote a couple books and I've done like some really incredible stuff. Went on a world tour, wrote, working on a third book now, you know, like launched online courses. So if wow. you, if you are committed to all you have to do, in my opinion, is really just be committed to sexual purity mm -hmm. because the moment that you're going to say, I'm not going to give up what I want most for what I want right now, mm. you might not get to what you want most for four years, you know, yeah. you, but if you are really committed, you're going to have to figure that what, what, what am I going to do with my time now? You know, mm -hmm. because I, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to settle and you, it'll change your whole life. You yeah, know, man. So. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Rob. There's so much I could talk to you about. Like, honestly, I, I got to have you on again, but that is so excellent. So if you haven't already check out his book, um, go ahead and check out cityfam.com, like get connected and plugged into a community. Guys, I think this is something that we are just really missing in Christianity and it's why people are struggling the most. Like I get so many messages, I get so many DMs of people talking about, I'm struggling with pornography, I'm struggling with sexual temptation, I'm struggling with drugs, you know, whatever it is that they got going on, this sin or whatever. But then when I give them the resources to be able to connect with other people, they're like, I don't want to connect with other people. I don't want people to know what's going on in my life. Like there, you will not find healing if you don't have community. You will not, it, because this walk wasn't meant to be walked alone. You are not in yourself the entire body of Christ. The entire body of Christ has hands, feet, legs, arms, eyes, mouths, right? And you can't be all that. So um, get connected with City Fam. If you can't get connected with City Fam, then get connected with this YouTube channel. Leave a comment down below if you're interested in joining my Zoom community group. If you're under 30 um, or whatever else you need, you know, send me a DM, send me an email. Um, but thank you, Rob, for coming on, and it's been a pleasure, man. I hope everything works out with City Fam, and I can't wait to meet your wife in the future. <laughs> Dude, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Really enjoyed it for sure man all right so thank you guys once again for listening once again this podcast is free to listen to but we do accept donations and we badly need them um, to keep the podcast running and keeping going um, so go ahead and check out the patreon or like i told you guys the link tree with paypal venmo and cash app i love you guys i'm, th I'm so thankful that you guys are enjoying the podcast and i can't wait to see you in the very next episode all right peace out guys